0: Popcorn Time is a free open source application that allows for streaming of movie torrents and television show torrents. Niv Sardi is an activist and developer based in Argentina who previously worked on the main fork of Popcorn Time, which is called PopcornTime.io. Niv is the founder of the Butter Project, which is a spin-out project from Popcorn Time. Niv, welcome to Software Engineering Daily.
1: Hey Jeff, nice to have you.
0: So, for listeners who don't know, could you explain Popcorn Time in more detail?
1: Okay, so, Popcorn Time, we actually, uh, I always want to make this clear, we didn't create it. We, you know, took it over when the first team that created uh, uh, got stressed out and dropped off the internet. But Pop- Popcorn Time is basically, you know, what computer scientists and nerds do. We uh, all like to, uh, you know, watch content and we look for it and we download it and then we watch it and Popcorn Time is just an automation to do all that. So it will just grab some APIs that you have on the internet and, uh, you know, look for uh, content and uh, try to match it to uh, IMDb and fetch from IMDb the covers and from Track TV will take uh, some metadata and show you uh, the same content that you're looking in at from any other uh, uh, source, just in a prettier way.
0: Why did the previous team get stressed out?
1: Uh, they got contacted by some bullies, uh, you know, the uh, great name for corporate lawyers. And uh, they just, uh, yeah, they just decided, like, they got scared, basically. It was like, it wasn't worth it. They were not that interested, you know, in, in getting into the copyright discussion and all that. So they just dropped it and say, okay, uh, Let's, let's leave it there.
0: Right. Okay. So is popcorn time still around right now?
1: Uh, well, I'm part of the people that decided to kind of fork off and go out on, you know, the butter side. So I can't really comment on what the guys that are still doing popcorn mm. will be doing, but they seem to be doing things. I'm not just not talking to them anymore for clear legal separation.
0: Okay. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, just for listeners who still don't really get it, Popcorn Time is like, it's almost like a Netflix for torrents. Um, maybe you wouldn't use that language to describe it, but um, I've, I've heard of people who've used it and they've described it that way. Uh, you know, you just, you sort of open up the application, you find whatever uh, movie or television show you want to watch and you just
1: watch it. And it's like, I think peer-to-peer. it's incorrect because the Popcorn Time UI is much nicer than Netflix. Oh. But that's just a <laughs> just a taste thing, you know.
0: That's funny. Um, so, as I was researching for this show, I, I read that the Motion Picture Association of America, the MPAA, has taken credit for the shutdown of the main popcorn time fork. Um, are those th- is the MPAA the bullies you were referring to?
1: They. They are. They are. Okay. They are, and they say, you know, again, like they say they're uh, taken down, uh, like the court orders was leaked out, so we can actually talk about this. And mm-hmm. what they got was that they were allowed on the servers, but, I, you know, like for investigation purposes, and it got taken down, and we don't know if they did it. What I think is that the whole uh, trial around Time is just really starting to feel a lot like unlawful stuff. Like we have been, you know, bullied and uh, the other teams have been bullied from mafia style kind of calls. And that is illegal in any country you look at it. So I think them taking credit for kicking Popcorn Time out of the web doesn't correlate to what we read in the leaked court orders. Mm.
0: So just to be clear, what was illegal about Popcorn Time that they were going after?
1: Nothing. That's the point. We Ah. checked. What did they allege? They alleged that uh, some developers uh, in Canada, but I think they're using a legal loophole in Canada, uh, incited people in Canada to go for copyright infringement. So it's really not Popcorn Time because, you know, the website of Popcorn Time never said you should watch copyright content. You had a lot of content on Popcorn Time that uh, was, uh, you know, out of the copyright law that uh, were old movies and uh, and all that and that were not... uh, uh, under the mpaa's uh how you say um, uh jurisdiction yeah jurisdiction property so what what the trial you know like the papers we've we've seen leaked out allege is that it was just saying to people that they should be pirates and come on let's get (laughs) let's face it who has not told a friend hey you can watch movies on torrents and it's really great Come on, <laughs> like, if you really want to pursue that, you should put in jail every person from 13 to 55, I think, that has a computer.
0: So why is it that popcorn time can be shut down, whereas other, like, there's, there's some peer-to-peer technologies like Bitcoin, for example. Bitcoin can't really be shut down. Why can popcorn time be shut down?
1: Well, popcorn time was never designed to be resilient, uh, you know, it was just like something to make the life easier. So we took a lot of like pe- the people that made it and we kept a lot of shortcuts inside it. So it's basically a, a, an application that will go to a single point of the internet to look for uh, content and a single point for internet to look for metadata. And it actually was so bad that when Tract uh, changed their API a bit, it broke all the clients and we had to make an emergency release. So <laughs> like if we had designed Poker Time to be a resilient thing, uh, it would be resilient. It's, it was not now with this uh you know like media coup of mba i guess that if i was still involved in popcorn time i would probably try to make it resilient
0: mm. are there a lot of forks of popcorn time is butter just one of many or is it
1: well pop- butter is really the place where the developers went you know like okay. most of us are are there yeah they are there is a, uh, another fork uh, that i know of but it's a company and they put adware inside it so i don't really call it a fork. They're not like community-centered, mm. you know. I don't know of any public fork. What I'm trying to do with Butter is really that anyone that wants to make a kind of popcorn time technology fork should share technology with us. You know, I'm trying to make everything in Butter so generic that you can do whatever you want with it. And that we can just, you know, combine effort and whatever cool technology we want to make with streaming torrents, we can just make it there and not be annoyed by anyone.
0: Okay, that sounds super interesting. I want to get into that. But first, let's talk about Popcorn Time and just peer-to-peer technology in general. How do you define a peer-to-peer application?
1: (laughs) For people that never studied peer-to-peer, there is an interesting idea that you just magically find other computers and start to talk to them. And uh, they will just give you the content that you want. That's basically the ideal of peer-to-peer technology. Uh, If you look into the details, you will find a few central servers somewhere Uh, you know, and like bootstrapping nodes and all that. But the idea of peer-to-peer technology is basically that, uh, to be able to make an overlay network over the internet so that you can just share any kind of data with people that you don't know. Uh, BitTorrent, that is the peer-to-peer technology that is used for Popcorn Time, is focused on content, on immutable content. So, you know, a file that will never change and allows you to find around the global internet, people that are sharing the same file uh, that you're interested in, and to negotiate with them which one has which part of that file, and you know coordinate trying to get together and that everybody gets the same copy of the same file at the same at the end at the end of the day. Basically,
0: so I'm curious how this works in more detail. Are these these points of centralization? Are these like the indexes of who has what file?
1: There are a lot of them. BitTorrent is an old technology now. You know, it's uh, more than 10 years. Uh, so the, the the DHT that it's using, Cademilia, uh, uh, needs to be bootstrapped. So you need to connect uh, to a few nodes that you must know in advance uh, to kind of find the other nodes that may have. And it is common still for BitTorrent to use uh, what's called a tracker, which is basically a server that... Uh, people connect to and say, okay, I'm sharing this file. It's really the hash you know, of the content, but I'm, I'm sharing this file. And the server writes that down. And when someone else connects and asks for that file, it will you know, give uh, the IDs of all the people that connected. So if you remove trackers, BitTorrent doesn't work really well.
0: Mm. So uh, as you've said, the, the specific type of peer-to-peer technology we're talking about is torrent. How, how do you differentiate torrent technology from the more generalized peer-to-peer technology? Like, what is what is specific about Torrent?
1: I really wouldn't say there's anything specific. Actually, there's really interesting work by a guy called Substack of implementing Btorrent extension protocol 44, BEP 44, that allows you to use uh, the Btorrent DHT as a global key value store. So, you know, that really makes it super generic. Torrent was designed to to share chunks of files, and there are some design decisions that are made around that, like the times that it operates on. Torrent was designed so that it doesn't really matter if you wait for five minutes before it starts downloading, as long as you can get some guarantees that you will get the highest speed possible. Now, that's kind of the trade-off that I've been made into BitTorrent. But if you look at the general design it has, it's not really different from any other uh, uh, like P2P technologies.
0: So you, you said it's like a distributed key value storage. Can you talk about that in more detail?
1: Well, you can make it now. Like You can just you know talk to the DHT and say, uh, DHT, saw that store that value. Here's Sorry, value. what does DHT uh, stand for? The DHT is the distributed hash table. That's, uh, how oh, okay, it got is. it. Uh, okay. So basically, the, the BitTorrent DHD, it's, uh, Kademilia, And, uh, what Kademilia does is that you, uh, you can find hashes. Um, and the way it's, it's hacking that is that you get the hash of the content that you want and you find a hash that is close to that. You know, and so then you ask uh It has a hash distance algorithm uh, for peers that are close to their the your hash, and you will go finding peers that are closer to the ones that will actually have your content. Once you have that, uh, you get a peer list, and you uh, share this peer list with other people that connect to you. I don't mm. know if that, that was clear. Anyway, uh, what PeP forty four does is that it allows you like to. Uh, Vehiculate on top of Academia and on top of the DHT protocol, uh, just general key value propagation. So I will sign a, um, a key value uh, couple and distribute it. And then, uh, you know, people will distribute my key and the key value. And when I want to update it, I can say to the hash, okay, this is the new key value. Here is the signed order of changing it. And people will, you know, be able to verify that. Um, that makes it possible to build Kind of anything you would do with a general key-value store, from Git to uh, instance messaging, on top of Cademilia, totally distributed. So, who
0: is verifying the safety or the security of the? I mean, you're you're pulling in. You know, if you're using peer-to-peer technology, you're you're pulling in bits from all all around. Um, presumably, there must be some centralized source of verification that that these bits, uh, you know, are what they say they are, so you know, you're not downloading a virus.
1: Okay, so uh, BitTorrent is checksum, you know, and actually every chunk is checksum. So when you connect uh, to uh, the BitTorrent network, you actually get what's called a name for hash, which is a hash of all the chunks that you have on the file. So you have a really strong capacity to verify that the file you downloaded was the file that was published. Uh, You have also mapping, you know, between the hash that you're trying to get, the magnet link, and um, the resulting info hash. Everything is hashed basically on many levels. So basically, if you trust the magnet link, you can trust the final file.
0: Okay, so we've done a number of shows about Bitcoin and the blockchain. And it sounds like a a reasonable analogy here is um, in Bitcoin, you know, the you oftentimes are looking at a hash of all the previous transactions and you compare that hash with the hash that other people have and that's how you verify that you've got the correct transaction history. But in the case of popcorn time or just in the case of peer-to-peer technology more generally or if you're looking at music files or movie files, you if you're trying to pull in a movie, a movie file from a bunch of different uh, actors – the way that you verify, first and foremost, that uh, all of these people have the same file is you can you can look at the checksum of all of these different people and and assure that they they ha- they all have the same checksum. Is that correct?
1: Exactly. And actually, Bitcoin tries to solve a really different problem. Like all the cryptography in in, Bit- in Bitcoin is really trying to solve the double spending problem. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you could just say, okay, this is my wallet. This is the transaction. Here's the signature. Uh, you wouldn't need all the complexity and the mining. The mining and everything is there to make it really expensive to try to double spend.
0: Right. Got it. Um, so, all right. So that's an interesting deep dive into um, peer-to-peer technology. Let's let's talk a little bit more about... Uh, well, first of all, I guess, you know, I'm curious, what was the breakthrough of Popcorn Time? And if we had peer-to-peer technology before Popcorn Time, what did Popcorn Time do?
1: We had a really nice logo. That's <laughs> true. It's true. There were a lot of applications that were doing the very same thing as Popong Time. Some of them that I even liked more. Uh, but Popong Time had a really nice name, a really nice logo, and it was people just you know liked it.
0: Yeah, I also feel like part of it was just like uh, there's something oh, it about worked. <laughs> it worked certainly, but there's also something about like torrent technology that i think people like are afraid of using torrent like some people may say like oh yeah i don't torrent stuff because uh you know i don't want to violate things but i think an equal amount of people actually don't torrent things because they're kind of scared like they're afraid they're going to accidentally download something that's like going to give them a virus or something um and i feel like popcorn time had this almost like a walled garden kind of thing where like if you click on a movie, you know, it's going to be okay. You're not going to get a virus.
1: Do you think that's accurate? I wouldn't know really. I, uh, I don't, I don't share your vision that people don't on, but uh, you know, maybe uh, I think you had the same uh, kind of certainties with other projects. I I just think really, I really think, you know, why, why did WhatsApp work? In a world where we had ICQ and Google Talk and so many messaging technology, we even have it Skype and WhatsApp was just a boom. It was because it was just really easy and really mm. nice, and people got it. But it's not really different. Like if you had, you know, an Android phone and a Gmail account, that is basically almost everyone. Uh, <laughs> but people just did not use uh, Talk because it was not pretty, because right. it was not easy.
0: Yeah, I guess that's a good point. You know, like talking about viruses uh, after I've just talked about how you verify that peer-to-peer technology is not giving you a virus is almost like kind of uh, like I missed the point. Um, no, no, but
1: it is. You, you're actually right, because there are people that were trying to uh, put, uh, you know, a uh, Content uh, with uh, with problems like uh, the Easy TV guys, you know, there was a, a big problem. What is Easy TV was a group that was doing uh, TV shows, and uh, the files that uh, they put out in the end, just before they crashed, were had some weird things. Oh, in that so this would be and like now,
0: a cabal of people that are all putting out copies of virus files.
1: Yeah, and and people should realize that today they attack the main attack vector. Uh, is uh, actually uh, um, multimedia files th- that are played through, you know, like your all your multimedia app, because basically video is hard and passes of video formats are hard, and they should should be quick, and so they're full of bugs uh, that are being exploited.
0: Oh, so if I download a video app from a malicious source, uh, or like a video, a video file, app. sorry, video, video video file, file sorry. So, like, if I download, um, you know, Interstellar, you know, dot dot X-bit no, I don't know. That, or whatever,
1: that, that, that is copyrighted. I wouldn't do that.
0: Uh, I, I, I'm just okay. If somebody, hypothetically, if some malicious cop, like copyright violating actor, downloaded <laughs> Interstellar and ran it through his uh, video player, there's a there's a chance it could uh, it could you could get a virus from just playing this through a video player. You're saying yes,
1: yes. Okay,
0: interesting. Is. So you're the founder of Butter. Um, why was the decision made to spin butter out of popcorn time?
1: Well, butter is something we talked about, not exactly butter, but you know, like kind of splitting out uh, popcorn into this white part and this black part was always something we talked about because, you know, when we started, there had been four teams that were had been shut down and really... Projects and open source projects are really made by people that have really different interests. So actually, almost no one, I think, had interest in actual copyright violation. Like, we didn't care. And from the people in the team of Popcorn Time, nobody was actually watching the movie there. You know, if, if you're a developer and you have uh, some kind of uh, skills for programmation, you would just, you know, open a terminal and uh, and download things there and just make it work, you know? So, so there there was this this will to say, okay, we like the technology we do because it's fun to work with, and it's fun to work with streaming, and it's fun to work with uh, all these uh, you know kind of hacky uh, ways of uh, exploiting BitTorrent and uh, not WebKit and, and all the technology we're using. But we don't really want to be entangled so much. We also did like that it was useful for some people, but you know. Uh, that I, I, that was not the drive for everyone, so hmm. we started talking about making a version of Popcorn Time that uh, you know would have plugins that the users will install, and and we never resolved that because the UI was going to be really complicated, and the examples we were using were was Atom, you know, the GitHub editor, and we, we kind of realized that Popcorn Time is, is this technology that is used by grandmas around the world, and we can't really expect grandmas to understand Atom. Uh, kind of thing. So we we didn't really never solve that. And and it's just stayed there. And, you know, there was a branch and another branch and another implementation. And we just never agreed on on how to do it. And then, uh, I don't know, I I was having this idea about kind of keeping things, uh, you know, separating kind of the user plugins from the developers plugin. And that's basically the, the idea that makes Butter different from the other ideas we had. You know, the idea of Butter is basically developers plugins, Think NPM. So you could just, you know, grab Butter and grab some Butter plugins that you could install with the NPM like, uh, tool and just span out, uh, Whatever you need, you know, like a, a butter for uh, your Brazilian cable TV operator that uh, uh, connects only to your networks and uh, through a VPN that you wrote uh, and uh, has a recommendation to go to the cinema and uh, all these kind of things. You know, I see a lot of uh, commercial application for the kind of technology that is under Popcorn Time. I actually started to work on Popcorn Time because I'm a political advisor in Argentina. And the state was trying to see if they could make a solution to compete with Netflix that is doing a lot of dumping in the region. And why I got interested in Popcorn Time is because I see the political uh, importance of being able to make high quality streaming application. If the Argentina state had decided to go through with the project, it sadly didn't. They could have built you know, a Netflix alternative, and they could have put whatever amount of DRM and restrictions and, and whatever their content negotiation strategy would have led them to, they could have put it in, in Popcorn. But when I designed the project, I realized that would result in a huge headache to merge all those changes into Popcorn time. So butter is basically the way I thought then how would build, you know, that application from the Argentinian government inside Popcorn Time without annoying anyone.
0: Why did the government choose not to pursue that alternative?
1: I will not say that it was corruption.
0: <laughs> okay. I mean, that sounds like... Okay, well, you will not say it's corruption. Got it. Good answer. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, I mean... Uh you know you mentioned this white and black part uh that you're kind of trying to differentiate like i guess you know put the black part of of uh popcorn time behind you and focus on the white part i think is what you're indicating what i mean what are what's the differentiation there what do you have to partition
1: well that that's that's why you know like i kind of i guess most of our users could be interested in some of the content as i told you we are not we would just like, wanted to have a high quality app, and it happened that the best API we had had Hollywood movies. I don't like Hollywood movies, but I like that the app, app looks good, you know? <laughs> Point. I, I really don't care. Like, if Popcorn Time had indie movies uh, or uh, Bollywood movies or Chinese movies, it would give me the same satisfaction to make the app, you know? So, yeah. there are people. Obviously, some of them are the users, Uh, some of them are some part of the development team that are interested in uh, um, those movies that maybe, in some jurisdictions, are copyright infringement. Up to now, the position of Pop1 was to be grey. You know, it was... uh, we don't really look at the uh, content, uh, which is true. We just happen to find that uh, provider. I actually put code inside PropCon that allows you to switch providers and roll providers for Voodoo.net and Archive.org and many other things like a uh, lot of Argentinian stating that are not copyright infringing uh, anywhere. Uh, but, you know, you, you had this gray thing, kind of, okay, this is where we stand. We were actually integrating Voodoo and we had uh, Voodoo, you know, Voodoo.net. And we had a lot of discussion of how it should be put, if we should mix the photo movies with uh, the ETS ones or not, or put it into another tab and, you know, all those kind of things. So it's basically gray, you know, it's gray. It's maybe it is, like, we know that it's not illegal to make it, but maybe it is illegal, you should check, okay? So that, that's the gray popcorn time. I feel that now with the action of the MPAA, they will just spawn out black popcorn times. Like, yes, uh, screw you. We are pirates, you know? I'm yeah. not interested in that, but I can see why people will do it. Got it.
0: So um, how many how many other people are working on Butter? Do you have a, a group of other committers you're working with?
1: Yeah, we're about 10, uh, roughly. But, you know, a lot of projects are mixing out, like uh, from the Popcorn Time times, we're friends with a lot of people that do kind of streaming technologies. Uh, So it's 10 in the core team and maybe 10 people around kind of in other projects, but that we use the same technology and work together.
0: Are there any like formalized roles or processes that you use to track each person's contributions to the software?
1: No, not really. Like there are people that have areas of interest. Uh, for instance, you know, some guys are doing the social media. Uh, some other guys are, are focusing on the Android and iOS part. Uh, so that's you know pretty contained. They just do that. Uh, there's this guy that uh, doesn't know how to code but is really good with CSS. Uh, <laughs> there's this designer guy, you know, and so it's just natural. It's kind. Of, it's a best effort thing. So people just do. Uh, whatever they feel like. And, you know, uh, I'm kind of, uh, I wouldn't say I'm leading, but people trust my judgment uh, in some kind of situations. And that may change, you know. (laughs) It's like an open source uh, community. Like right now, people kind of listen to me for the N-word, but if a better... uh, person or person more aligned with the wants and needs of the people inside the project appeared, I will just step down and align behind uh, that person.
0: So you brought up an interesting discussion in the Slack channel on Software Engineering Daily. uh, And I encourage any listeners who are interested in getting involved in this conversation to come on to our Slack channel, you can go to the uh, Software Engineering Daily website and and find that, but you said that Netflix's scalability problems were due to intellectual property, and that Netflix could ease those scalability problems by using peer-to-peer. Can you give more detail on this idea?
1: Of course. Like The delivery of Netflix is complicated because they have to encode it for every user, and that is a huge engineering issue. Like, if you really do that, if you really have to encrypt a whole video file, you know, like maybe two gigabytes of data that you're streaming in one hour to every person that sees just a huge amount of CPU that is wasted on this encryption. Like, if you... And the only reason you're encrypting with a different key to every different user, probably on every different device, is because you want to give the, uh, a certain security to the content owner that you are crypting. when we know that DRM is bullshit. Because if you, if you show content on digital media, you will be able to <laughs> record that content. There is absolutely no way that you can stop me for from recording every frame that my computer is playing because, you know, it's my computer. And with my computer, I do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> so, so you're not stopping anyone. You're just, you know, you're just like not saying you're wrong to the content owners.
0: Did Netflix content make its way onto popcorn time?
1: I don't know. I'm not looking at the sources.
0: Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, interesting.
1: So, but but I know that Netflix content made its way to the internet because I read the newspapers, and and we all know it. Like all the Netflix series, uh, House sure. of Cards, Orange is the New Black, they have been on torrent sites.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, huh? Interesting. Did, did and you Netflix- can actually
1: see. And you can, sorry, you can actually see that they have been grabbed from the Netflix uh, software. You know, and, and it's logical that you will do it that way.
0: Well, sure. I mean, how else would they get it?
1: Well, you know, Netflix has forgotten some files on some servers at some That's point. That's true. Sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: Good point. Okay. Um, so, yeah, DRM is flawed. Got it. Um, d- has Netflix taken a position on Popcorn Time? Have they made any comments about it?
1: <laughs> yeah, they said we are... We were uh, their biggest competitor, which I think is really funny. You know, how would this multi billion dollar company that has this huge political power on the US and on the world uh, be even threatened by a group of 20 kids? That is just ridiculous. Mm. Or yeah. if it is, if it is, it means that something much bigger than popcorn time is broken. Actually, you know, there's this article that I I love to take because it's a a Netflix declaration. They say that um, piracy went down 29%. It's a month old or something. Piracy went down 29% in Australia since they launched. And and I think that might actually be true. I I think that the reason uh, people use Popcorn Time was because it was the best option, not because of the price, you know, and if you give them a better option to watch the content, they will just use it and eventually pay for it. But I think the the content market is just so ridiculous. You know, you, you just have to pay to get this really bad way of consuming. Take the DVD. Like, you know, the DVD is old enough so that everybody knows what it is. When the DVD was out, if you went through how the uh, DVD and the MPA wanted you to go, you had to pay for the DVD, and you had to watch the uh, publicity. So, you know, uh, I, will, uh, I, I will pay to watch publicity. And if I downloaded the file on YouTube, I would not. So it was kind of an obvious decision not to buy the DVD. You just download it. And I think that if, if they hadn't taken that stupid decision to force you to watch commercials, the DVD would have been a much better product, and people would have not discovered torrent sites.
0: Hmm. So you've talked about this future where people are have a desire to roll their own Netflix type of service using popcorn time or using butter or using something like this. What do you what does that look like? Like how does that compete with stuff like YouTube and like how do you well, how do you see that? Exactly.
1: What is YouTube today? YouTube today is a place where a lot of people make videos. I was just watching now, uh, This really uh, just before I talked to you, uh, there, there was this really good fan film of Dragon Ball made by some French dudes. I don't know if you saw it, watch it, then I'll, I'll give you the link. But it was this amazing fan fiction with special effects, you know, on fights and cell and, and all that, 28 minutes long. And that guy was publishing on YouTube. And, you know, he's publishing on YouTube and... and YouTube will make money out of his publishing there. And I think, like, you know, our ability, the citizen ability to make content is getting uh, much higher. Like, we have much more capacity. Anyone has much more capacity to make content. At the same time, I feel that the general Hollywood cinema's quality has been dropping a lot. So that makes it that today, uh, with a few thousand dollars, you can actually make some production that is on the level of the uh, multi-million movies uh, that are produced. So one of the uh, important things that I see is that, you know, people can just skip YouTube. Like, why put this huge amount of money and waste of resources in the middle of this YouTube? Just roll your own butter with your content and, you know, get like... 10 producers of, uh, of uh, small, short movies and just distribute your own platform and decide how you want to monetize it. Use peer-to-peer technology so that you're not depending on server costs and just build your own business model.
0: It almost sounds like AWS, like what AWS did for servers, you know, because you used to have to buy, you know, these giant servers. It was super expensive upfront costs. Um, and the equivalent for that with content distribution is you pay for the distribution channel, you pay to or you pay, you know, the platform, you pay YouTube some percentage of your ad revenue. Um, but that's just because they own the platform, they have their own platform. But if you if the if the platforms were in a more distributed, open free fashion, then you could just charge however you wanted to, I guess. Um
1: Of course. I'm actually working for a startup that is building this kind of technology based on blockchain. That uh, The startup is called BlockTech and the product is called Alexandria. And what Alexandria is doing is trying to do exactly that. A way to publish on distributed storage content that you decide how much is worth for downloading or for streaming. Interesting. And I think think these kind of platforms are just a really natural move of the internet. You know, it's like we're in this moment where, where states and corporations are trying to restrict so much of what we can do on the Internet because, because we have centralized the Internet again. You know, the Internet was built as this decentralized thing. The reason the Internet was built was that. And it was actually much worse than centralized technology. You know, France Telecom had ATM, which had much better data throughput, but it was centralized. And the internet won because it was decentralized. You know, TCPAP um, and, and TCP are, are really bad protocols. We know it. You know, we, <laughs> all the people that do software know how bad um, the core uh, internet technology is for many reasons. But the only good thing it has is that it was decentralized. With YouTube, with Facebook, with Google, with Dropbox, with Amazon, we have centralized it, and now that we have centralized it, there is a political momentum that allows you to say, okay, we are the center of the Internet, so you should listen to us on how the Internet should be run, and that is exactly what's happening. Those uh, you know, huge companies that centralize the Internet are trying to get laws of what the Internet is and what isn't, and they are trying to destroy whatever opportunity there is for the decentralized Internet to compete with them, which on a business uh, approach is understandable. But I think mm. also we are in the moment where the technology is mature enough and we have enough devices so that we can actually build this uh, decentralized technology now.
0: Does peer-to-peer technology get better with all these mobile devices? Like It's kind of interesting because like, I think of we have all these mobile devices. Uh, it seems like these could be using a lot of bandwidth to do peer-to-peer stuff, but I don't know if of any peer-to-peer applications that people use on their phone. I guess there's Skype, there's Bitcoin stuff, but what do, pe- what do people do with peer-to-peer on their phone?
1: I think they're not doing enough. Uh, I think you're right. I think Skype was peer-to-peer, but when Microsoft bought it, they kind of centralized it a lot. And actually, <laughs> core quality dropped a lot when they did that. Uh, I think it's like unexplored territories. Uh, we're actually now looking at it with butter because we're trying to think whether we want uh, butter to get into the Android and uh, Apple app stores for mobile and I think what the devs were talking to me in the last meeting is that you actually cannot like they, they will just tell you that you're not allowed to put peer-to-peer I'm not really sure why
0: was that the principle behind restricting the bit all those Bitcoin apps like when that when the app store did that huge purge of all the bitcoin apps um was it for peer-to-peer technology or was it like did it have something specific to do with bitcoin
1: i don't know okay i i I don't know about that if i tell you i lie sure um so
0: you've been a developer and an activist for like 15 years are you what are you fighting for like what do you what are your principles that uh are embodied by by your work and your work on butter
1: well, I'm an, an anarchist. Like I think humans uh, run humans better than, you know, human. <laughs> kind of what I think is that if you give opportunity for power to everyone, uh, first the, the incentive of bad people to get power dilutes, and, uh, and then uh, random people will just do a much better job than people that crave power uh, that are put in this position. And for me, butter is exactly that. It's you know what we were talking about, building a distributed internet. Well, butter is kind. Of I see kind of the media player of um, of this distributed internet. I was talking with uh, uh, this guy from the Mirror Project um, a few days ago, and what they tried to build with Mirror was basically the same thing. The thing is, Mirror was ten years, fifteen years uh, too young, like too soon. That's what I'm interested in. Butter. I'm really, you know, kind of just trying so that we have a base technology that allows us to just say, okay, this is the way we think content should be consumed. And then have this other part of the discussion with the media company. I actually love cinema. I really want to see cinema thrive. I really want to see Latin American cinema thrive because I think there are really a lot of wonderful productions here that the whole world should know but the world is not knowing them because people are watching netflix and it's i don't say netflix is a bad company but you know they have some kind of content that they curate according to a political agenda a commercial agenda and etc etc and that i think is harming the global cinema community i think if we have the tools so that everybody can propose their catalog and what they have to show in a good way, you know, in a, in a usable, nice app, we will all see more cinema and, you know, be enlightened by more ideas of uh, humans around the world.
0: So you've said you're an anarchist. Do you find yourself identifying with the hacker group Anonymous?
1: Anonymous has changed so much since it started, but I think they did really important things.
0: Have, are you saying they've changed kind of for the worse, or?
1: Uh, I I'm today I'm not connected enough to what they did, but uh, yeah I think it got uh, kind of depoliticized. You know, um, I, look, anonymous was used is used in uh, in Latin America to try to make what is called a soft coup. You know, it's a destabilization of the state uh, through social media that is actually uh, financiated. Uh, there have been weak, uh, leaks uh, on Wikileaks that demonstrate that is not a conspiracy theory. It's uh, actually a real thing, you know, like uh, kind of a government agency will just put money on trying to destabilize kind of leftists. Uh, government in South America, and they will do that uh, through, uh, you know, kind of the internet. So Twitter, Facebook, and all that. And Anonymous uh, was against Chavez and, uh, and you know, against uh, uh, Evo Morales and against all these kind of iconic uh, populist leaders in, in South America. So I think Anonymous in the US was really important. I think the connection with uh, Anonymous and Occupy Wall Street and all this kind of uh, movement got the US people to actually think they could operate on the politics and also gave the internet community this idea that uh, we could actually change things, that we just didn't have to listen to how things were going to be. I think, uh, you know, all the fights um, against um, the, the... Kind of censorship, intents uh, of, of the internet, you know, and, and of this uh, slow lane internet that was proposed uh, by uh, by uh, TIBA and Protect IP and all the thing, uh, was a consequence of uh, of the anonymous actions. Mm. We
0: interviewed a, a fellow Argentinian named Santiago Siri, who came on the show to talk about Democracy OS and. Uh, using technology to improve society, or he called it hacktivism. I think. Um, what what are the ways that you're excited about using technology to improve the world to change society?
1: I I will answer you with a story. <laughs> you know, I I come I come from a kind of a, a lower class family uh, of uh, immigrants in in France. No. And uh, I discovered Linux because a neighbor of mine showed it to me when I was 12 or 13. And this has so much transformed you know, my professional life. It allowed me to be an engineer and to get a good pay and all that. But it's not only that it gave me like discovering linux gave me you know that that thing where i would just be able to connect to the internet and talk i remember uh, alan cox answered the mail of mine when i was 17 or something i had printed it out and put it in my room as a student and he did not even say anything much but it just answered me and that was a huge thing you know this this huge brain one of the best um, the, one of the best engineers like probably the best engineer of operating system in the world answered me like this immigrant kid you know, <laughs> lost in paris and i think this is where technology can change it's what we call empowering like i think if you demystify that technology is complicated and just you know share the knowledge first uh the people that today think they cannot do technology uh uh come from really different ways of living. Like, you know, we have this problem that uh, almost all engineers are white male uh, from middle class to upper class. <laughs> like, we have this problem. It's a problem. If we actually allow is, totally. more people to, to come with the way they're seeing and their experience, we will get better technology. Yeah, We will just get better technology because we'll get fresher ideas, because we'll get fresher looks. And and I think also that uh, if, if we are allowed to... Uh, to demystify technology as the thing that is for white males, uh, we will actually manage to have people in, uh, you know, uh, um, bad kind of a position in their life to actually be able to construct solutions. But it's not—it's what I tell you. For me, it was not only about building technologies; was also saying this thing that, oh, if I can do what everybody else can do, like if, the, if I can talk with Alan Cox, then there is no reason why my house should be, uh, you know, kind of a mess of my neighborhood should be a mess and I should not rely on the state to fix my problems. I can fix it myself. Yeah. This is, you know, a kind of psychological thing that if you empower people to do things that they think are complicated, uh, then they will fix everything because they will feel invincible. And technology is pretty easy. Like, come on, we are all uh, autistic nerds that are doing things. So if we can do it, anybody can.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you said autistic or artistic, but I don't really care. <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah, and I think I think that's like a really good point. Um, it's particularly like my, one of my favorite points that you made is like just this idea that basically right, right now, I mean, okay, this, this is weird to say that it's my, one of my favorite points, but that the, the technology right now is just for white males basically. And like, I want to see the technology that's made by, you know, all kinds of people, because I know that it's going to have synergies with the pre-existing technologies. It's going to be win, win situation. It's good. I mean, we're going to have some amazing technologies as, um, as more people start to realize, Oh, I can do this coding thing. And, um, you know, people in developing countries and, um, I mean, I'm super optimistic about the the expanding knowledge of uh, of of coding, uh, and how that's going to affect the ecosystem. Um, so, last question: How has working on Popcorn Time affected your your personal life and your outlook on the world?
1: <laughs> My personal life, it has made it really messy because I got like. Really, you know, passionate about about it, <laughs> and, and so I would just, you know, like dive into Popcorn Time and get much more stressed about a Popcorn Time release than anything at work. <laughs> you know, trying to get it everything perfect and everything in time and and squeeze huh. out of everybody to uh, to ship on time so that we can, you know, just make it work. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, it, it was. Like as I told you, I spent uh, six months, maybe eight months uh, building a political project around Popcorn Time so it was just a huge synergy between uh, some technically interesting things and some politically interesting things so it just basically took all of my time during those eight months Um, and uh, I don't remember the second part of the question, I'm sorry (laughs) It
0: was just, just like how it changed your views
1: on the world Well, what I don't, like, I'm old militant, you know, it's been (laughs) 15 (laughs) years that I'm thinking about politics, so right now my views on the world are changing really slowly, that is part of growing up. Uh, What I've been really surprised about Popcorn Time is mostly, you know, how the kids that, uh, like, the kind of younger developers that were in the project have, have evolved, you know, kind of from just thinking that they just want to code to understanding the politics. And uh, right now, you know, uh, the people that got sued, uh, like their name are publics and their, their birth date are public, they're not really all, like they're all sub-30 people. And, um, and I think that them getting sued as is kind of making them think about the importance of, of politics and technology. And uh, the discussion I'm seeing in, in the... Places that you know we share on the internet—it's basically that—is a this raising uh, of consciousness of the importance of political uh, involvement to actually save the freedom that we have.
0: Well, that sounds like a great place to stop, Niv Sardi. Thanks for coming out of Software Engineering Daily and talking about popcorn, time and butter, and um, really, really interesting, exciting conversation.
1: Thank you for having me. Sorry if I was blabbering too much.
0: You were not blabbering too much at all. Blabbering is what the show is for. And if you have anything uh, interesting to announce in the future, you know, feel free to reach out and we can do another show.
1: Okay, I hope to announce a butter release in the next few days, but as I told you, I crashed my computer hard drive, so <laughs> that, that has been slowing things down. Uh, I just recovered some things, so it's, it should be okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jeff.